Want to learn what sets LiveFlow apart from thousands of other QuickBooks Online apps? Do you want to learn how LiveFlow saves time for hundreds of accountants and bookkeepers? Want to learn how LiveFlow helps accountants and bookkeepers to use LiveFlow successfully in their firm? Stay tuned to hear more from our sponsor, LiveFlow, later in the episode. I mean, what, what do you think is the number one reason that people don't want to go into accounting? If you ask me, just based on what I've observed from talking to people and looking at forums online, it's the work environment, right? It's the low pay for the long hours and the really hard work. And, and honestly, a lot of people in big firms who are just total jerks to work for, right? Hello, and welcome to the Cloud Accounting Podcast. I'm Blake Oliver. And I'm David Leary. We are coming to you live from the OnPay Recording Studio for another episode this week. We're doubling it up because we spent so much time talking about GPT and AI with Ashley Francis that we needed to get to the news. Uh, totally worth it spending all the time with her. Check out that episode. She is on the cutting edge of GPT and AI as a tax practitioner, so don't miss it. David, but good to see good you again. We, good we delayed a day, right? Because there was breaking news that happened last night we were sleeping. That's right. The politicians in Washington have been busy, and we have a debt ceiling deal. Thank God. Man, I was starting to get worried. <laughs> you know, like, can we just stop doing this? Can we just figure out a way not to have to do this every year, it feels like? Uh, but the good news is we do have a debt ceiling deal, and there is a tie-in to accounting, which is that the IRS funding, that extra $80 billion, took a little hit in the deal, they are losing $10 billion of that funding. It is now going back into non-defense discretionary spending. Uh, and there was a question on Twitter. Whoa, whoa okay. So, so the agreement to make this happen, one of the concessions was you got to cut some of this IRS budget. Well, yeah, because that's been hugely unpopular. Oh. And so the Republicans have been saying, we got to take this away, right? We don't want all those IRS agents with guns. Uh, and so this is a concession that will allow them to go to their base and say, look, we we got back some of that money. Now, it's not- Was a, this a concession that was like rumored to be on the table? Or is this something that was like, because like, where's the ICPA? Where are people trying to fight against this? I feel like it. this is like a total surprise to me. Uh, I, I think it just, it, it was just part of these negotiations and, uh, you know, it wasn't like part of the big the national channels, discussion. Right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, um, yeah so- the question on Twitter was, is this going to affect the money that was allocated for enforcement versus for IRS services? And the answer is, we don't really know because the original bill that gave the IRS the $80 billion, the extra $80 billion over 10 years, while it said where Congress would like the money to be spent, it didn't actually require the IRS to do exactly that. The IRS still has discretion to do whatever it wants with the $80 billion. They can spend it on enforcement, it can spend it on services, it can do whatever it wants. So now they've got $70 billion to play with. So it's not actually, in my opinion, going to affect any of the enforcement that IRS wants to do, because if they really want to do enforcement, they could just take the money out of other stuff, right? They, they can reallocate however they want. So the political messaging will be, this is coming out of enforcement in reality, it's going to be whatever the IRS wants it to be. And and really, it's like the, the last year and a half of this decade of funding. Well, yeah. And, and I don't even think they were going to be able to spend it all anyway, because <laughs> there just aren't enough accountants to hire, yeah. right? The, 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 the plan to hire you know tens of thousands of agents, like they, they haven't even been able to meet their existing hiring targets. So, you know, I, I, I wouldn't worry about this, right? But it does take some of the pressure, I think, off of the IRS in that the Republicans did score a win. So good for them. Now the question is whether McCarthy will actually be able to get his party to pass the debt ceiling extension. Uh, but it would be kind of crazy if they didn't because it would be a massive recession, right? That would be the result of a, a debt crisis in the U.S. Uh, I think everybody agrees on that. So that's the good news uh, for our Memorial Day weekend. <laughs> well, we have some... Uh other news from the Pentagon and accounting mistakes. Uh, okay. So apparently okay. the Pentagon discovered 
there's an accounting mistake. We actually have $3 billion more to spend on Ukraine. How, how did they like lose track of $3 billion, David? Well, this is the Pentagon spokeswoman Sabrina Singh said in a statement, quote, unquote, in some cases, replacement cost rather than net book value was used, therefore overestimating the value of equipment drawn down from U.S. stocks, end quote. Wait, replacement value as opposed to book value was used. So let's say we, we bought an F-16 for $40 million a decade ago. Okay. It's probably been depreciating it, and so now it has a book value. Right. We're going to give them that F-16, and before they were calculated at $40 million, now they're going to calculate it at 12 or whatever the book value is. And oh, like, okay. look at all this extra money we have now. <laughs> we oh, can give I them more so things. It's just all accounting maneuvers. Yes. It, oh. it, in the, but the, the crazy thing about this is if we're going to want to replace this jet for ourselves, so it's, actu- it's not actually any extra money. It's just a game. Right. right. It's not cash. It's just uh, on their balance sheet. But, I mean, does it really even matter? Because I don't think, like, the Pentagon, right? The Pentagon's never passed an audit before. They, I mean, they've never completed one. It's still, like... the. Most of the money that goes in is just in a black box, right? Well, they, they well, uh, yeah, yeah. Historically, like the government accounting office has just like reported military accounting problems forever. But if you think about this, though, the Pentagon has earmarked forty-four billion in military aid to the Ukraine, and then you know, yeah, th- 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 we're talking for the IRS seventy seventy billion now for a decade. It's like, and and they've spent how much on Ukraine? Forty-four billion. Wow. And that's what, and how long has it been going on? Like a year? Oh, that's what they earmarked. That's what they earmarked. Yeah. Okay. Wow. That's amazing. Puts things in perspective. $44 billion in a year. Well, it, that includes future appropriations? Like, is like that's what their budget is? So, yeah, it says it's been earmarked. Right. Um, okay. And that's wow. since since February tw- uh, 2022. Wow. But but look, now they can crank it up to $47 billion with this extra $3 billion because of the accounting games. <laughs> but, but, but then why not just change the book value down to a dollar and then you could give them everything. We yeah. could give them our entire 100% of our every, every piece of military equipment we own. Well, I don't know how to pivot from that to what else I want to talk about. So I'm just going to do a hard pivot here, David. And I'm going to talk about a little bit about ChatGPT and this study that I saw. New MIT research shows spectacular increase in white-collar productivity from ChatGPT. The results, ChatGPT made white-collar workers 37% faster at completing tasks, 17 minutes to complete versus 27 minutes, with roughly similar grades, level of quality, and as the workers repeated their tasks for improvement, the ChatGPT group's quality went up significantly faster. In other words, ChatGPT did make work speedier with no sacrifice in quality and then made it easier to improve work quickly using the tool. So I have a question. Is this real work or is this uh, an experiment they did in a college campus in a in a lab where people had some tasks and some people had... Or is this like real observations of real work? Because I just don't know if that many white-collar people are using ChatGPT yet. So, so this was 444 white-collar workers, and they had them do writing and editing tasks along the lines of marketing, grant writing, data analysis, and human resources. So it's pretend work. Okay. I just well, want to make sure. Yeah, I mean, you know. <laughs> it's fake like, work. <laughs> yeah. You, you can't really have them do real work for a study, but it, it, it's, it's similar to the kind of work that people might do in real life. Yeah. Um, and so the chart is is pretty cool to look at. Uh, this figure one, and they show the time taken decreasing between the, the group that had ChatGPT. They call that the treated group. And then they had the control group. And you can see the line on the uh, treated group, the, the, the AI-powered group, just the time went way down. Like, and the average grades increased. And then the time distribution, these green bars show that you know, the, the folks who got to use AI were able to complete the tasks significantly faster on average than the control group. I mean, it makes it, even if, even if all you do is eliminate your first rough draft because ChatGPT can create it in 11 seconds for you. Yeah. And you can 
just start from there, you're, you're, you're hours ahead of somebody else. Just getting your, uh, even if it's a crappy rough draft, you're still hours ahead because it yeah. would take you hours to write a crappy rough draft. Yeah. And uh, I, I just got access to plugins as we were talking about in the last episode. So now I can connect ChatGPT to Wolfram Alpha, which is a calculator uh, and statistical engine. I can connect it to Kayak to book travel. I'm going to be experimenting with that. I can connect it to Zapier. And once you connect it to Zapier, you could do all sorts of things. And one of the things that I've set it up to do is create drafts in my Gmail account. So now I can be chatting with ChatGPT and ask it to draft an email into my account so I can send it later. So, you know, we're starting to extend this beyond just what you can paste into ChatGPT. Now we're able to interact with apps. And as we were talking about with, with Ashley, with Windows Copilot launching, having that chat bot right there on the right-hand sidebar, everywhere you are in every app, being able to interact with all of those programs, it's going to be very powerful. Yeah, everything they sold us on a decade ago, remember that Microsoft launched Katera, or you could argue Siri and OK yeah. Google, and hold on, make sure my phone doesn't go off, or <laughs> everybody's listening's phone go off. And you know, you have Alexa and, and all these things that just have never delivered the promise. Now we're truly going to have this assistant mm-hmm. that was promised to us a decade ago and we discovered we can only set timers and, and alarms with. That was about it. Maybe maybe play, you know, who let the dogs out. That was my kid's favorite. Yell that to the speaker. Um, but did you see, though, they gave ChatGPT a chance to retake the CPA exam. And guess what? Yeah. It, it passes. As we said it would. As, yeah, as you said well, it would. So this is, you're talking about accounting today. And uh, this article was in Counting Today, correct? Right. So, so the, the big misinformation of the last month was Accounting Today gave the CPA exam to ChatGPT, but they gave it to version three, and of course it failed, as we all knew it would. And then they gave it to, well, they didn't do it. Another group of researchers did a study with GPT-4, and it passed, and it yeah. did great. And what I liked about this article is they really talked about the, how the research was done Right, and they use these uh, this concept of like zero shot or ten shot type scenarios. So a zero shot, basically, the model is provided with a prompt and a question and high level instructions, but no training on a task. So no account. There's no framing it as like, hey, you're going to answer some accounting questions, right? Mm-hmm. There's no training whatsoever. And then when it did that, it Chat GPT four did a little bit better than three point five, but it still uh, failed. It only had an average score of sixty seven point eight. Yeah. Then they did a quote unquote a ten shot scenario where they primed it with ten sample accounting questions first, and then that site changes to the other settings via the API and the web client. But then that one scored seventy four point four across all sections, right? Then they did a little bit more on a quote unquote change of chain of thought prompting. Uh, basically, what that is that's. Uh, decomposing larger problems into several intermediate steps. So instead of giving it the problem, they would give it a little bit of help along the way. And then after that, it's pushing it up to 84.3%. They'd break it down just like a human would into multiple steps. Like, you know, so this is prompt engineering. That's what they were doing. They were just setting it up to succeed by giving it questions in the way that it needs to be given questions right now. And well, I imagine like a, if you went to like a, a test prep session and they would give you those those strategies, they give it yeah. some strategies to attack these questions. But not only did it do better on the CPA exam, the CMA, it averaged 86.6. The certified internal auditors averaged 85.5. And enrolled agent average test was 83.8. So, so it's not just the CPA exam that it's getting into the 80 yeah. percentiles now. And this is not a bad thing. I want to reiterate to our listeners, the fact that ChatGPT and just generative AI can do this stuff is going to make our jobs so much better. It's going to finally free us up to like. Well, if you if it doesn't pass the exam, would you want to depend on it in your firm? It's right. kind of like right. Yeah. But but now that it can, right? Like, I mean, if it can pass the exam, then that means it can start to do tasks that an intern might do or that a staff accountant might do, and we're all going to be using. GPT chatbots in our in our firms as first year associates basically. So, if, so big four, I think reported KPMG is going to put a billion dollars or they're going to put in the next three years, right? Well, 
they're going to give everybody an hour a week on their timesheet, and that adds well, that, up to a billion dollars. Well, well, I'm just trying to like think a little longer, slightly long term yeah. here, not too long term though, right? They figure out how to build an army of bots to do a lot of this auto work. Now they don't need the Ponzi scheme funnel from the universities of shoving people to the bottom of their pyramid. Well, that means, yes, we're always short accountants, but does this like start impacting the educational system even more? Do we even see less people going to accounting if the big four figure out how to? How does not need staff? Eliminate the people. Eliminate, eliminate the, the first people. year, second happens. year staff. Yeah. I mean, that's going to totally disrupt the traditional education pipeline. Absolutely. And I mean, if you just broadly look at like U.S. higher education, people have been talking about a bubble in higher education for years now, not just accounting, just overall. There are, there are too many universities and colleges and not enough young people who want to go to college. There's more alternatives every day. These schools are way overpriced for what they give you and now that companies are starting to see this that you know you, you don't need to hire people with a traditional bachelor's or master's degree to get what you need that could all collapse and i i i totally see that you know coming i mean you can get really good jobs now with certificates in particular skills and you don't need a bachelor's degree it's not what it used to be. Um, so I think there's a, there's a reckoning coming for traditional education and especially in accounting. And on this thread, we've got a story that just came out seven hours ago in Financial Times. Numbers taking U.S. accountancy exams dropped to lowest level in 17 years. Accounting firms in the U.S. are being urged to revamp their business models to attract more young people after the numbers taking exams to enter the profession plunged to the lowest level in at least 17 years. These are new figures from the AICPA, and the numbers actually worsened in 2022, even though they were projecting a rebound from COVID. So get this. Here's the chart. You can see that the number of people taking CPA exams in 2022 was just over 67,000, down from... 72,000 in 2021, and short of the AICPA's forecast of 74,000. This is the lowest level since the beginning of records for the modern exam in 2006. So the exam changed in 2006, and that's when they started keeping records. I guess, is that when it went digital? I don't know. But yeah, it's lower than since the exam changed massively in 2006. Uh, it fell 10% year-on-year. And I think AICPA was projecting a 10% increase. So this is like, you, know, you want to talk about like a numbers miss, an earnings miss? Yeah. Right? This is bad. This is really bad. Uh, IMA also saw a decline in candidates, but it was 5% instead of 10%. Institute of Management Accountants. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by LiveFlow. Have you ever exported a QuickBooks online report to a Google Sheet, spent time customizing the sheet, invited others to collaborate, then discovered that QuickBooks data has changed, forcing you to restart the entire process over again? An app has solved this problem, LiveFlow. LiveFlow connects QuickBooks Online directly to Google Sheets in Excel, allowing you to have spreadsheets that automatically update with the most recent QuickBooks data. Thousands of accountants and bookkeepers and finance teams are using LiveFlow today to create automatically updating budget versus actuals, dashboards, and consolidated reports. Yes, consolidated reports. You can connect one spreadsheet to multiple QuickBooks online companies to see the numbers updated in real time. To learn more about using LiveFlow and how you can save 20% off your first three months, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash LiveFlow. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash L-I-V-E-F-L-O-W. So one of the reasons, too, on this, so the, the Wall Street Journal is going after accounting careers again. So there's an article in the Wall Street Journal, and the uh, title of the article is Why Graduates Are Not Hot on Accounting Careers, and it's colon, low starting pay. And I, I put a link in the, the chat there, Blake, if you want to bring it up, because there's yeah. a, a horrible graph in there that compares starting salaries. Is this, teeny. That's this potential there. earnings chart here? Yeah. So- it basically compares accounting versus tech versus data science, and it starts with 2010. 
And the starting salary in 2010 for accountants is just below the 60000 It's mark. like 58000 it looks 58, like. 58. And then the one, if you go for data science for Data science was 67, or no, 69. 69. If you go all the way out now to 2023 yeah. or 2022, Which, da- we're still not what data science was in, in 2010. So, so basically, data science and tech have increased at a much faster pace than accounting. So tech went from 77,000 10 years ago to $101,000. So it, it, that was in 2021. So basically 101,000 starting salary. That's amazing in tech. In data science, 97,000. And accounting is 66,000. I mean, yeah, and when you account for inflation, I, I believe that it's static, right? If you like, if you adjusted these lines down for inflation, it'd probably be flat for accounting. Yeah, this is a problem. Yeah, so the basically accounting's basically gone up fourteen percent while in the same period, like these have gone up thirty and forty percent for the same time period. But one of the in the article that they did have a quote which I thought was kind of interesting. So this is Sandy Torshia. Vice Vice Chair of Talent and Culture at KPMG. The 150 credit hours required to sit for, then pass the CPA exam, represented a big barrier to entry for the profession, says KPMG's Ms. Toshira. This is really important element of our industry, but it is a barrier that other industries don't have. So even the... Obviously, this is like an HR role, talent and culture at KPMG, is admitting maybe the 150 (laughs) hours could be in the way. Uh, I I imagine that she has a a bit of experience with this, right? This being a barrier. Yeah. And and the only other thing is there was a professor um, from Washington Lee University, and he said only a quarter of his accounting majors actually go into accounting jobs. So even if we get more students, they don't even want to work in accounting. Mm-hmm. Um, which leads us to, should we talk about the pipeline plan from the ICPA? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, actually, before we do that, can I go back to the article I was sharing from Financial Times? Oh, yeah, sorry about that. Um, no, it's all right. There were some quotes since, since, you're, sharing some, since you're sharing some quotes. Um, Dennis Whitney, Senior Vice President at the IMA, said, it is becoming a crisis not just for accounting firms, but for companies. Accountants are the backbone of companies, not just for financial reporting purposes, but for helping them make decisions. And then there was a quote from uh, Alan Whitman, who ran Baker Tilly for seven years until March. Alan Whitman said, with the length of time it takes to become a partner, the length of time it takes to achieve financial success, the financial model of CPA firms is archaic. Firms need to work on improving the attractiveness of the profession through a variety of ways, the most important being reimagining the operating model and career progression. And the AICPA said that it's increasing scholarships to help candidates and encouraging firms to offer competitive salaries. You've got a generation that is looking for a shorter ROI, said Mike Decker, AICPA vice president. So now let's talk about the AICPA's plan to solve the CPA crisis. And so they have a plan, but they actually have approved a resolution supporting the plan now. So this was uh, decided Wednesday during their spring meeting in Washington, D.C. So the governing body approved the resolution to support the pipeline acceleration plan. So I sent you a link that at least has the slide. Do you remember before the ASB town hall was an eight-point plan? Yeah, yeah. So it, it's a twelve-point plan now. Now it's got twelve. So, okay. So if you scroll down, so there's it's a slide 50% in here. Fifty percent better, right? <laughs> So, wait, are we, I'm looking at this article, AICPA details plans to boost CPA pipeline. That's it? I think. Is that the one okay. that has the graph? Here, here there we you go. go. Well, this, now, they've, got, they've got this bullet point list. Yeah. So, it's great that the slides in the Accounting Today article, but the actual site with the plan is no longer working at the ICPA website. It just says the site's under careful construction. Visit soon for exciting new features. And <laughs> It linked to a PDF with a lot of details. So I have, I just happen to have the PDF still open on my computer, but I don't know how to get anybody to this PDF other than my hard drive. But deep down in there, it talks about the uh, collaboration between the AICPA and the state societies. 
And it has all these initiatives. So all 12 initiatives are listed out in a table, right? And it has a column, rule of AICPA, and a column, rule of state society. And over and over again, it's all the work is on the state society. So like the AI, so for example, increase high school engagement, accounting opportunity weeks, career program awareness, et cetera. The role of the AICPA, develop promotional communication materials, presentation materials, speaker training, et cetera. The role of the state society, recruit presenters and match them with teacher and school projects, prospects, customize materials as necessary, oversee implementation and provide ongoing feedback. So over and over again, the state societies have the, in their column have the word implement, and over and over again, yeah. the role of CPA is to kind of like develop, provide some res- like I'm. It's amazing how much is being pushed on the state societies. Is yeah. I'm going to look at this. That's a good insight there. Uh, should we just quickly go through the twelve points? Yeah. On this list, okay. So, pipeline acceleration plan addressing root causes. One experience, learn, and earn program. So I believe this is the. Uh, this is the initiative that's happening in New Jersey where you can join a firm instead of going for your fifth year. And then while you're working, you take classes online to earn the 30 semester credit hours while you're working at the firm. Yeah, so but it's you a, still have to pay. Right. You still pay. <laughs> $150 a credit hour. You still pay for the credit hours. Well, they, they're you're trying, not going- And this is a point of contention between the universities and AICPA, which is like AICPA wants them to charge less and the universities don't want to charge less. So you still have to pay. Yeah, that's a problem. Well, we go through these. I actually have in the PDF, it actually talks about when these are launching. So the pilot is fall of 2023 and the pilot post pilot phase is going to be uh, as a midterm initiative will be launching in 2024. So number two is addressing firm culture and business model challenges. So that has to do with, you know, the overwork, the the business model of CPA firms. Like, like that, what was the, way the it's quote you been. just said? Archaic? Archaic. Yeah, that was the uh, former head of Baker Tilly. Yeah. And, and, you know, we all know what that means, right? That means the, the billable hour model and, you know, hiring staff and working them 60 hours, 70 hours a week and not giving them PTO and just basically terrible working conditions, right? Which, I mean, what what do you think is the number one reason that people don't want to go into accounting? If you ask me, just based on what I've observed from talking to people and looking at forums online, it's the work environment, right? It's the low pay for the long hours and the really hard work and and honestly a lot of people in big firms who are just total jerks to work for right like what they plan on doing is highlighting firms that are doing things differently yeah and treating their staff correctly and having different business models like that's their plan is to to raise awareness of those types of firms um that's on track for july of 2023 so then moving on i'll try to get through this a little quicker we've got the 30-hour communication campaign which is like a marketing campaign around getting people to I guess, understand the 30 hours. I don't know how that's going to help. Number four, extending the 18-month exam window, which they've already started doing with NASBA. So now you have 30 months, or you will, if the states adopt it, have 30 months to pass the exams instead of 18. Examining Uniform Accountancy Act variances. So that's just making things more consistent across states. I don't know if that's like really a big problem right now, but I guess maybe it is. High school and college strategies. So that's you know trying to improve recruitment, STEM TikTok. recognition. It's the TikTok strategy. TikTok. Yeah, get well. That's what we were doing at ExpenseCon, David. We were helping. Um, so I hope AICPA retweets our you know reels and TikToks from uh, from ExpenseCon. STEM recognition, getting accounting part of STEM, uh, science, technology, engineering, and math in school. AICPA foundation and scholarships. So basically, providing more money to students. Just- to tag onto that STEM one, another mm-hmm. part of that is AP courses with College Board. Oh, yeah, yeah. Their potential launch, like an AP business principles course in 2025. So it's still a ways off. Number nine, expansion of 529 funds to CPA exam costs. So I guess using your 529 savings account for college costs on CPA exam costs. Uh, government audit and finance collaboration. I don't know what, what that is. Uh, best practices for offshore talent. So they're actually bringing offshoring into this plan, which I have a, I cannot believe that they're actually doing that. So they're going to like 
here's the quote from the article. ASCPA is looking into the need for best practices and other potential resources that would help small and mid-sized par- firms partner where needed with offshore talent suppliers. That's in addition to expansion of the administration of the CPA exam in India and South Korea, as well as looking into offering the CPA exam in the Philippines. So like the, the problem is so bad that they're going to include helping firms find talent offshore as part, but, but like the whole, isn't the whole point to increase CPAs like here in this country? Like, shouldn't that be the priority? And then lastly, it's the 12 CPA image campaign. They are looking into creating a campaign to create positive awareness of the profession with middle and high school students. Yeah, like, and, like the on-campus pro-CPA culture. So here's the thing. Quote, unquote. Like, a lot of this is marketing, right? A lot of this is like yep. the high school and college strategies, CPA image campaign, the STEM recognition, the communication campaign. Like so much of this is just is, is messaging and marketing, but it's not going to actually change anything in my opinion. Because the number one reason that people don't want to be accountants is because the hours are long and the pay is low. And until AICPA and NASBA acknowledge that and do something about it, work to like really change the pay or change the hours, it's, it's not going to, none of this is going to do it. It's not going to reverse it. It's not going to even stem it. It's just going to get worse and worse. Like this is not a, this is not a plan that is going to deliver results. Yeah, if you think about this plan, right, and this PDF. So it's a 20-page PDF, and arguably the smallest part of this is the addressing firm culture and business model challenges. Yeah. Like that's the smallest piece of this, but arguably is the most important piece. Daniel says, a colleague of mine, an adjunct professor at one of the more prominent CUNY business schools for accountancy in New York City, said their enrollment is at an all-time low compared to the last several years. Those in the actual teaching roles are not crazy about AICPA because at the end of the day, it's still not putting bodies in the seats. Students are extremely aware of the rise of AI being disruptive. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's not putting bodies in the seats. Until, the- until you fix the big firms, to, remember, let's, let's not forget, Two-thirds of accounting graduates go into audit at larger firms. So as long as those firms are treating those people like machines and not like human beings, people are not going to want to go work for those firms, and they are not going to enroll in accounting programs. And I really think that AICP needs to hold those firms accountable, make a plan with them to improve work-life balance and improve work environments and reduce hours and increase pay. Like that's the solution, but that is what they are not willing to confront. And it's because I believe the AICPA is like, it's, it's because of the partners at those firms who run the AICPA essentially who control it, don't want to change. Financially control it. Right. They financially control it. Right? I mean, how much of AICPA's funding comes from the big firms? I, I'm really curious to know that. I, I, and I think that has something to do with it. So until the big firms want to change, um, the, none of this will, will m- make a difference. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by TechGuru. As an accountant, you already have a lot on your plate, and you don't need the added stress of dealing with IT issues that slow you down. Enter TechGuru, the IT department that offers IT strategy, security, and tech support specifically for accounting firms. They know accounting technology better than any IT generalist and help accounting firms across the country daily with their tech issues like cloud migrations, automated backups, managed security updates, cybersecurity awareness training, hardware procurement, and support for over 100 accounting applications. The team at TechGurus know their clients on a first-name basis and provide ongoing remote services and support whenever you need it, whether it is remotely or on-site. 
They'll even work with you to streamline your technology systems and provide industry-focused strategy sessions that help you scale and increase efficiency. TechGuru will keep your systems running smoothly so you can rest assured that all your tech is taken care of while you focus on what you do best, serving your clients. To schedule a one-hour technology planning workshop, including an audit of your firm's technology stack, for free just by mentioning the Cloud Accounting Podcast during your call, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash techguru. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash T-E-C-H-G-U-R-U. Where do we want to go from here, David? Um, There was an article... We can stay on okay. this. There was an article on thetab.com, which is a UK publication, overworked and underpaid, why grads are ditching jobs at the big four. It's like, they're spelling this out for us. Oh, I saw this article. Like, it's just, it, it almost felt like too, too doom and gloom. And I was like, I don't want to talk about this in the show. This well, is, it's, it's pretty I mean, har- but it's harsh. Like, this is a very, very harsh article, and this does not help get people to work in accounting in any right, way, but, shape, or but form. This is, this is spelling out the problem. So if you, if you want to actually solve the problem, like read... You know, the people in, in positions of power should read this. In the final year of university, the race is on to get a job. Careers fairs across campuses are rammed with panicked students searching for their calling. And amidst the leaflets, free pens, and tote bags, one corporate quartet has serious clout. The big four, KPMG, EY, Deloitte, PwC. Elite grad schemes are the ultimate goal. Often before you even know what these companies do, accounting, you know you want to pass the online test to work there. Glistening skyscrapers, high-powered clients, huge pay packets, and after-work drinks with other young, hot professionals are the whispered hopes and dreams of applicants from Russell groups across the country. But could long nights, low pay, and rushed firings be the more likely reality? The tab spoke to big four grads to find out. And the headline is, you're all in the torture together. When I got the job, I was buzzing, said James, who worked in audit at the big four after graduating from the University of Exeter. Before starting office work, he was whisked away to live in a hotel and study in college with other new grads to get a base level of accounting knowledge to, to do the job. But here, amongst the fun and camaraderie, the pressure started. After between two and three weeks of college, rigorous testing begins. You can be put through up to three exams at once, said James. They're challenging. It's one of the biggest drop-off points. There's a big group of people who fail. Then you have to do the reset two weeks after their first exam. And if they fail the reset, they have to leave. Essentially, two strikes and you're out with very occasional extenuating circumstances. Then they go on to the uh, busy season. During busy season, James was working more than 12 hours per day. It was realistically 9 a.m. to 11 p.m., he says. They're nice enough to give you a paid Uber home, but then you go straight to bed, wake up again at 6 a.m. and get in the tube all over again, plus you work maybe five hours on Saturdays as well. It doesn't get easier. Get out now. I mean, this is like. Doesn't this article also talk about like there's a pool? Like anybody who has a boyfriend or, or, or a significant other, like you'll break up. <laughs> wave goodbye they bet to who's going to break up first. Wave goodbye to your evenings and weekends. One office smelt like sewers. I had managers calling me at 3 a.m. I mean, they were taking bets on who'd break up first. Yeah, that was the one you said. Um, I was just crying all the time. Like, this is awful, right? And I mean, that's the UK. But isn't, you know, the big four is the big four, right, globally? Yeah, it's it's a little shocking. Um, yeah. I think I'm, we can jump into app news, but this is like a pivot a little bit. Um, did you see the IRS? Remember in the, the Inflation Reduction Act, the IRS was at like $10 million or $20 million to do a study on creating their own e-file? I don't remember the exact amount, but there was some money earmarked to do a study. Yeah. Well, apparently the study's already done. And not only that, they uh, have already, they've already built something, and they're going to start testing it. So basically, the system was built by the IRS and the U.S. Digital Service, a technology consulting agency that works for the White House. They've been quietly testing the software before opening up in a pilot in January to a small set of taxpayers, and they plan on trying out its own direct software with a limited group of taxpayers next season. So wow. it went quickly from a study to it already exists. Like. It, it, Everybody who's, who's made anything with code, you just don't yeah. – it doesn't happen that fast. So this it, is already being worked on for two or three years. This is just the excuse to I saw that. Un- unwrap did, it. Did you see the quote from the TurboTax guy in the article? No. Uh, just like control F it and find find the guy from Intuit, some PR person. Like Intuit backed out of the free file thing and the, set this in motion, right? Now the IRS is going to do their own. 
but they're still trying to undercut it from the bleachers. And I just couldn't believe that they, that the guy said that. Like, basically, did, did you find it? No, I'm trying to see his quote here. Here, I, I, oh, it was in an NPR story. I'll find it for you. A direct-to-IRS e-file system is wholly redundant and is nothing more than a solution in search of a problem, said Rick Heineman, a spokesman for Intuit, the company behind TurboTax. That solution will unnecessarily cost taxpayers billions of dollars and especially harm the most vulnerable Americans. It's like, come on. Like, yeah. I, stop with the bullshit, you know? Just stop it. So, so, so I, I think it in the... Uh, and we can talk about the Intuit's earnings, and this is just a quote deeper in, and we can talk about the rest of them, but... Basically, in the earnings call, somebody asked them about the IRS making their own free software. Yeah. And, you know, one of the, one of the quotes in there is, you know, remember, it's really not free. It's going to cost taxpayers <laughs> billions of dollars, right? So, it's, yeah. it's, it's, to create this system, so it's really not free. But then the other thing is Intuit just doesn't care. The total addressable market for people that DIY their own taxes is only $5 billion. They're going after... Another thirty billion, twenty twenty billion being customer consumers that already pay somebody else to do their taxes, and ten billion business tax. They are chased. They they don't care about DIY. I think they made a decision right. when so, they let go of free. Right. They were going after this forty or thirty billion dollar opportunity and letting go of this five billion dollar opportunity. So stop stop trying to derail the IRS on this thing, right? Like just let them do it and go after the bigger opportunity. Yeah. So so let's talk about the Intuit earnings. You've been following this yeah and, what, and, and all the news? good parts are in the uh inside the, the earnings calls always so TurboTax live continues to go up right even though the number of irs returns declined now one thing that they said there's like a one-to-one ratio so when the irs the number of returns increase TurboTax revenue increases by one percent as well but because irs returns are down they're expect they're going to have a two hundred million dollar negative impact to TurboTax's bottom line this year. So you're saying that, like, so TurboTax TurboTax revenue was down, and they got that that was unexpected. But why was that? Because of because it's directly tied to the number of IRS returns. So if oh. IRS returns are down, it's it's, it's and it's the same percentage. Oh, so and if the IRS more is people down, filed because of pandemic stimulus. There was a lot of pandemic that's stimulus, why. Yep. Got it. So. Got it. And then they talked about AI a little bit. Uh, so, this is, so they have 100 million customers on the platform. The, uh, the, so they're currently using 400,000 customer and financial attributes and uh, 55,000 tax and financial attributes for, per consumer to power 58 billion machine learning predictions a day. So they're doing 58 billion machine predictions a day right now, which this is where this AI starts to stack, right? Like yeah. you have to have the data. Right. And they have the data. To, to do these things. Hmm. One interesting thing on the relationship between Credit Karma and TurboTax. So Credit Karma is their uh, credit reporting. personal. It's kind of getting that personal finance consumer side of this. But I don't know if you remember before they let people, if you want to get an instant rebate from TurboTax, if you open up a Credit Karma bank account, you can do that. And what they're seeing is that that's grown over 45%. But the most amazing thing is when people do that, they get their money no fees deducted. They just get the money in the account that they can access within minutes after filing the return. And then Intuit makes money because then they have a debit card and they use it and then Intuit gets money on the, the arbitrage and the fees on that part. Um, B2B payments, they said that they've now rolled out early pilots of their bill pay solution. So they've built their own bill pay in. Um, desktop e- ecosystem continues to grow, but longer term, it's going to be the online ecosystem. So so they keep raising the price, so the revenue grows, but it's not it's not truly growing. Um, and then they get into more of the QuickBooks AI and chat could be your business assistant, right? Mm-hmm. They know everything about your business between on the MailChimp side all the way through the other side. And that's why I think this QuickBooks Connect, we're probably going to see stuff that we can yeah. – like real stuff. I, I have a feeling we're going to see some real amazing chat stuff. Don't miss QuickBooks Connect. Speaking of which, it got del- it's a day earlier. They changed the date. What so are the check dates? your flights, check your calendars, check your hotels. Cooper's Connect. If you go to accountingconferences.com, it should be on there. Yeah. It is November 13th to 15th in Las Vegas at the Aria. Yep. And then the last one that's going to blow your mind is 
So TurboTax is live. You know the full service. TurboTax, so TurboTax full Live service, always yeah. had high high net promoter scores. TurboTax Live, quote unquote, full service, you know, the commercials don't do taxes, right? Had an 84 net promoter score this year, which is the highest net promoter score across anything the company has ever done. Yeah, wow. And it actually surprised into it. Like we surprised ourselves in terms of the product market fit and we're going to be really intentional on doubling down on that next year. See, they, they don't care about squeezing people for $35 on a, you know, getting somebody from free file to spend 35 or 40 bucks. They're going to go for real returns in the market. Probably yeah. the people that get fired, people like me, they get fired from firms, Yeah. right? I mean, I'm probably in that target market of where they're at on this. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by Client Hub. We've been talking about the lack of accountants lately, and I'm guessing you may have your own shortage this busy season. And with accounting teams spending more than 30% of their time chasing clients for information, Client Hub can help you gain one third of a body just by getting needed information from clients quickly. Client Hub automatically sends your clients a task for each expense or deposit marked as uncategorized in QuickBooks. Your client then can respond via their simple web experience or even their highly rated mobile app. Your team will save hours of time and the best part that it's free. Introducing the free Client Hub recategorization plan. Client Hub is bringing the freemium business model to accounting apps. They are so confident that you, your team, and your clients will love the free recategorize plan that it will lead you to implement all the features of the award-winning Client Hub into your firm's workflows and communications. Using Client Hub in your workflow is a guaranteed ROI, especially since it's free. To get Client Hub's new recategorized plan for free, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash client hub. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash C-L-I-E-N-T-H-U-B. Also, Sage uh, announced their earnings. There wasn't really much super interesting in that. But then I did look at their um, conference call. The real interesting thing is, remember we they have their Sage inbox? And it's going to manage like all the AP coming into your business? Yeah. So it's like one place where you have everybody send their bills. You know, all, it's, an, it's a shared AP inbox that your team can manage and process and get everything where it needs to go. And they released some numbers on that now, which and so they basically have processed over two hundred thousand invoices for around three thousand customers. But the interesting part is they did it across Sage Intact in the U.S., Sage Fifty in France, and Sage Accounting in the U.K. So mm-hmm. three different products are using the same AP to AI tool, which to me I see that and I'm like, oh, that means maybe it could be cross-platform compatible because because Sage Intact. Even though they all have the word in Sage Fifty in France and Sage Accounting in the UK, even though they all have the word Sage, those are different products by far different, different yeah. code bases, different everything, and so that means it's cro- it's cross platform compatible. It's like now do they open that up to the QuickBooks and the mm-hmm. Zeros and the Oracle NetSuites and the FreshBooks of the world? I don't know. And then the only other people, so the earnings for Zero came out, and the only interesting thing I think in Zero earnings was their US numbers. So they added in North America, they added thirty thousand subscribers and fiscal year 23 half because they report on the half year. And then um, they're projecting out the now the total of 384,000 subscribers. So they're still not at a half million in North America yet, but they keep growing. I mean, they're growing at, what's that, 10, 20% a year. Yeah. You know, they're, it, it's solid. Right? Oh, and I, I still say, even if Intuit wins the whole thing, the second place of the cloud accounting pie is way bigger than QuickBooks Desktop ever was. Yeah. So, yeah, this being in second place is a very good position. Not bad. Is that it for uh, earnings? I think that's it for earnings. All right. Do you have app news? Well, yeah, I do, actually. So, Ramp. I saw that uh, Ramp released what they're calling Ramp Intelligence. The future of finance is here and it's running on Ramp. And uh, Ramp is an expense card, a competitor to Expensify, an alternative in terms of spend management. There's so many of them out there. Ramp's one of the bigger ones. And I thought this was interesting. It's like what they're going to be doing or what they are doing now with GPT. And I'll just go through some of these examples. You can see them here on the screen if you're in the live stream. Oh, and I forgot to welcome our live stream viewers. Thank you, Heather and David Hall and Daniel uh, for joining us, everybody who's watching 
Uh, they've been commenting. Thank you. Great to see you. As always, uh, a reminder that you can subscribe to us on YouTube and get notified when we go live and see our faces and look at our screens and chat with us. We love that, so please do. But back to Ramp. So price intelligence in their new AI feature is going to use millions of Ramp transactions to help you understand whether you are paying too much for software. So when it comes to software you have, where you have to negotiate the subscription fees, Ramp is saying that they're going to analyze how much you are being quoted versus what other Ramp customers are paying. I think that's, that's valuable intelligence there. I mean, people pay companies like Gartner a bunch of money to do that for them. Right? If you're a Ramp customer, though, you could just get that insight. Get it for free. Yeah. So it's crowdsourced data. You get instant comparisons. You can see cost per user detail. That is uh, fascinating. Smart accounting to speed up the monthly close. Keep ac accurate books with Ramp's auto-coding. Process thousands of transactions and review flagged expenses only. So they're showing here an animation of a Uber charge that's out of policy because it was on the weekend and it wasn't during work hours. Let Ramp do your expenses. Auto-generated -gener receipts and categoriz categorization powering air-free expense submission. So automatically categorizing expenses into the proper GL account. And then they've got a, a smart assistant called Copilot. It uses AI to answer your questions, build approval workflows, and suggest ways to reduce costs. So I think that is a big opportunity for spend management platforms is, especially when everything's a subscription now, it's very easy to, as a business, as you grow, just acquire all these subscriptions. You and I, David, deal with this, and we're a very yeah. small company still. You know, we're like half a dozen people, and you know, we're we're trying to keep track of all this stuff. So I would love it if my spend management solution would tell me, oh, hey, here's a subscription you might not be using, right? And it makes sense for this to take place in the spend management apps because there's th there's apps that exist that only do this, right? you connect them to your bank account and they look at your bank spend and then they figure out what apps you have and then can help you cancel them. So it really makes sense. Like you don't need to get separate apps for this. It's just, you're right. They have the data, just report it out and, mm -hmm. and have it in there. Um, uh, so that was my big story from app news. Have you heard of um, Avi? A-V-I-I? -I? No. So there's an article on Business Wire that it was Avi, Avi, E, announces significant uplifts to financial models. And I've always kind of watched this from the side because I, I was exposed to them through the legal software space. So I always mm -hmm. thought they were kind of like legal billing software. But then I went to their website and I put the link in there. AVII.com? That's correct. Okay. I've got it up on the screen here. Look at what this says in the orange text at the top. The most automated workspace plus portal for accountants and their clients. It's like they've completely pivoted away from law or something. Hmm. So, th so I think this is just something for everybody to keep on your radar. <laughs> like, like there, there's another, another cloud accounting player that's going after accountants now. Another portal, another workflow software. Well, we know that there is not a single accountant workflow software or portal solution that has captured even 1% of the market, I think, when it comes to cloud-based products, right? There may be the legacy ones, there might be more, but you know, I think even carbon is still very small compared to the whole market. And it's deep because I think they built all this for law firms and now they're mm -hmm. like, oh, we'll just rule this out for accounting firms instead and then tie in some tools for their clients. Here's some good news. Employee satisfaction just hit an all-time high in the US last year. I became aware of this thanks to the podcast, The Soul of Enterprise. They covered this in one of their bonus episodes. And this chart is incredible, right? There's, there's so much bad news. And, you know, you and I are guilty of repeating a lot of it. So I figured, you know, let's, let's have some good news. And I mean, this could be linked to the accounting talent shortage because why is this happening, right? Let's think about why has employee satisfaction gone up so much? I mean, it hit a low in 2010, 42.6%. And now we're up to 62.3%. It's risen every year since 2010. You why... Why is this happening? And by the way, it's higher than it was in 1987. It's because we have a supply and demand 
mismatch where we've got fewer workers than we have jobs. And so people are able to get the jobs that they want and they're getting the pay that they want and they're getting the hours that they want. And so... Unless they're in accounting. Unless they're in accounting. And so, you know, this is, this is why we've got a problem. So if we want to solve the crisis, we got to compete. We got to compete. And, and they, they talk in this article about like why people are more satisfied. So the, so the formula is here for accounting firms. Like other industries are doing it. I wonder yeah. what their percentage is for accounting firms versus this number here. Yeah. Well, you, you know, they, I doubt they break it down, right? So, so this is good news, right? We're happier as Americans. I mean, you could argue also, though, that we still got a way to go, right? Because a third of workers are not satisfied. So, uh, but, you know, hey, it's better than only 40%, where most people are dissatisfied. And what was the dip? What year was that? 2010. What was going on in 2010? That was post the 2008 stuff. I said it was the bottom of the recession, I guess. That's probably, yeah. Yeah, right. Because the recession really hit a lot of people for two years there, 2008, 2009, 2010. So what else? What else? Uh, oh, here's another stat. I'm just going to cover some random stories, David, unless you got something. Right. Um, so this is on CFO.com. 70% of Gen Z employees would switch jobs for better tech. This was from... Adobe, 70% of Gen Z employees, those born between 1997 and 2012, tell Adobe researchers that they would leave their job for better technology. So so uh, I'm an accounting firm and I give my employee a Google Chromebook <laughs> and the next accounting firm down the road is going to be like, we'll give you a MacBook Pro, they would switch jobs. Maybe. I guess if that's how they define better technology. I mean, I, I experienced this frustration when I was working at a big accounting firm where I didn't get to choose the laptop that I had. I was given an underpowered machine. It had kind of a blurry screen compared to like what I'm used to having. And it was frustrating. Every single day I had to turn on this machine and wait five minutes for it to boot up. You know, it's just like, come on. Um, and, and so here's a chart on the screen that shows that 70% of Gen Zs would leave for better tech compared to 52% of Gen Xers and 37% of baby boomers. So there's a huge difference between baby boomers and Gen Z when it comes to technology influencing whether or not they'd want to be at a firm. So, you know, what's what's the uh, what's the lesson here? I think it's like invest in tech if you want to attract the younger generation, right? Let them let them give them the best tools, or give them you know. a budget to buy the tech they want to use. Yeah. Right? Because it, it really it is, I, I still, because somebody grew up in construction, you have your saw, you have your hammer, you, they, you don't, you're not forced to use the tools they give you. Right? Yeah. I, I would refuse, like these days, I would not go to work for a company that didn't let me choose my tech. I mean, I, I understand operating within security protocols and all that stuff, but like, I want to choose the computer that I need for my tasks, right? Yeah, and but, not be micromanaged if, in that respect. If somebody's security is so vulnerable that if you use a, not their machine to access the network, they have bigger issues. <laughs> well, <laughs> like they have I mean, major be, security problems. Well, no, to be fair, like you need managed devices, right? Yeah. But, but you could allow employees to have upgraded machines if they need them for specific yeah. purposes. Like, you know, at the firm I was at, we had an in-house, uh, you know, marketing like graphic design, all these people that we would, you know, rent out to clients and they got to have the nice machines. But because I was on the outsourced accounting team, I didn't get to have one. And it's like, you know, an extra thousand dollars, you know, for that device. And compared to my total compensation and what they were billing me out at, it's like, it's, it's immaterial, but it made a meaningful difference to me. Well, did you ever make an argument that you could bill more hours if you had that? That would have been the way to approach it, right? Approach it. Uh, uh, I have two Hazard things about Sage. Well, I just want to say that um, oh. Hazardous Items in the live stream said, if I have to work on any type of iOS software, I'm resigning the same week. Amen. David's an Android guy. I'm a big Mac user. And I, or Windows. I, Windows. Windows. Yeah. Well, now I'm starting to feel like I'm being left behind with the Copilot coming to Windows and all this AI stuff happening with Microsoft. And like, I haven't heard a peep at it. Apple. I really hope they're working on something behind the scenes. But VR glasses. I, I can something. just virtualize Windows now. You can subscribe to Windows. Did you know that, David? Yeah, we talked about right, yeah. that. I can just use it in a browser. So maybe that's what I'll do. All right, you want to close this out with one more story? Or? Yeah, so, so 
just Sage. So Sage was in the news. So Sage is buying um, the U.S. construction platform Corcon. So Corcon, if I had to like go back to like the old app days, something like a Noify, you've probably seen Noify at conferences. So Noify is going to be like your kitchen, bathroom remodelers, maybe a house. And then you have Builder Trend, which is going to be for bigger house, construction, custom homes, track homes, things like that. And then I always thought Corcon, the way I would describe it, is cranes. Right. Now you got to have cranes. It's a much bigger. These are bridges, skyscrapers, those types of projects. So uh, Sage is purchasing Corcon, which is interesting. I remember years ago, Intuit bought a construction app a long time ago, um, back in the mid '90s, um, that they're doing that. And but one interesting thing: remember how when we were at like Oracle NetSuite versus Sage Intact, and the observation in NetSuite was once they build it in the suite, they don't kind of your as a partner, you're kind of screwed. Mm-hmm. Right, if that makes any sense. So in the same week, Sage announces how they're launching their native AP build automation built in, right? Their AP features built into Sage Intact. But at the same time, the same week, they actually named Stamply, which is an accounts payable solution, as their recommended solution, right? So so they're even though they're building something in the product, they're still promoting apps that are building you yeah. know, the, these other, other solutions that add on to Sage Intact. It's just, it's a different, yeah. like you observe that, right? There's a well, t- and that's the right mindset. way to do it. That's the right um, way to um, do it is, is, yeah, you can build in some base functionality into your suite, but don't exclude competition from outside vendors. Allow them to integrate, yeah. and if they can build something better, that's great. And the problem is, in these big companies like Oracle, you got to stop the salespeople from creating a bad experience. And I really think that's like what happened at NetSuite where they, and they stopped allowing the payroll providers to come to Sweet World because they had their own payroll product. Like that's which not is the weird right for those of you that attend accounting conferences. When you walk into an accounting conference and ADP is not there, it's 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 strange, right? Yeah. Like how is ADP not at an accounting conference or accounting right. conference? It's not. It's it's not the right way. Anyway, David, this was so much fun. Great yeah. doing a double episode with you. Two episodes in one week. We've caught up. We're a little bit of ahead of. We're a little bit ahead because we are going to AICPA Engage next week. And uh, I look forward to recording with you on the show floor. And yeah, we're yeah, going to have, have a good a lot time. going on that week. I mean, starting Monday morning, 7 a.m., we're doing a session with Surefile. Yeah. Uh, that's about uh, client experience. So if you're AICPA Engage, show up at 7 a.m., come, find, uh, come to our session there. In the evening on Monday, we are going to do a toast because we are like we are at our millionth download. One million downloads. This it could be the person listening to this episode right now. They might be the millionth download. We have no way of knowing. So all of you, just pretend you were the millionth download, and you can come by. We're going to have a little toast, a little some cake or something, and we'll celebrate that milestone. How are you going to announce and that? Like when's that happening? Like how are people going to know? I, I teased it already in a tweet, but it'll be right. Yeah, but like, I'll, how are I'll get they dates and like So follow me on Twitter. Follow, Follow Cloud Accounting Podcast on Twitter. Yeah, that's probably the way to go. And then we're right. taking our whole mobile recording studio, including an engineer, and we are going to record Cloud Accounting Podcast. We are going to record some Earmark podcasts uh, with some of the Earmark talent. And we're opening up our mobile recording studio to all content creators. So if you have your own podcast or video blog thingy and you need to record decent audio on the show floor of ASP Engage, we are going to be able to provide you the equipment to do that in a high quality way. Yeah, so awesome. reach out to me if you're like, you want to try to book some time in our recording studio. You can follow David on Twitter. What's your handle, David? I'm at David Lear on all the socials. Yep. So message him on Twitter and he'll get you set up or LinkedIn. And I am at Blake T. Oliver. Do follow the Cloud Accounting Podcast on YouTube, on Twitter, on LinkedIn, wherever you prefer to utilize social media. We stream live to those platforms and you can catch us on one of our live streams. And uh, if you're at ASCP Engage, come say hi. I can't wait and to we'll meet be, you. We'll be at the Quick Fee booth. So you can find the Quick Fee booth and that's where you'll find us. That's where we'll be recording. All right, David. See you later. Bye, everyone. Time for the classifieds. ClientHub automatically sends your clients a task for each expense or deposit marked as uncategorized in QuickBooks. Your team will save hours of time, and the best part, that it's free. Introducing the free ClientHub recategorized plan. ClientHub is bringing the freemium business model to accounting apps. They are so confident that you, your team, and your clients will love the free recategorized plan 
that'll lead you to implement all the features of the award-winning Client Hub into your firm's workflows and communications. Using Client Hub in your workflow is a guaranteed ROI, especially since it is free. To schedule your demo, go to clienthub.app. That's clienthub.app. Is it possible to scale your firm while significantly reducing your workload so you can spend more time with your family? That's what Marie Phillips did when she tripled the revenues of her multi-seven-figure firm thanks to Future Firm Accelerate. Designed for busy firm owners, Future Firm Accelerate gives you the system, training, coaching, and the community you need to systemize your firm so that you can scale it while working less. The program is built around founder and CPA Ryan Lozanis' six-part Future Firm framework, which he used to scale and sell his own firm, Zen Accounting, to a major international organization in just five short years. To learn more and join over 700 other modern firm owners scaling their businesses, go to www.futurefirmaccelerate.com. That's www.futurefirmaccelerate.com. We don't like uncategorized transactions, but we do like CATs, and we love UNCAT. Thousands of accountants and bookkeepers have switched from sending spreadsheets of uncategorized transactions to their clients every month to using UNCAT. It's easy. UNCAT syncs with QuickBooks and gets clients' responses back so fast, you can close the books on time, every time. And you're going to love the price. UNCAT is just $5 per month per client. And bonus, start a 14-day free trial at UNCAT.com, and they'll send you a $5 Starbucks gift card. Get yours at UNCAT.com. Are you tired of spending hours manually adjusting your balance sheet and reconciling your accounts every month? Say hello to NetTracker. Automate tedious tasks such as adjustments for depreciation, prepaid expenses, accruals, and deferred revenue. With just a few clicks, selected balance sheet accounts are updated and reconciled. No more stress and hassle every month. NetTracker makes monthly financial reporting a breeze. Try it now with QuickBooks Online, Zero, or Sage Business Cloud and see how much time and energy you can save. www.nettracker.com that's www.nett-tracker.com. Your accounting clients don't want another shiny app they have to log into. They want to be met where they live in their email inbox. FinDaily does just that. FinDaily automates the communication of key financial data by sending it to your client's inbox daily. Try FinDaily out for free at findaily.io. That's findaily.io. Small accounting firms can rarely afford to have a full-time marketing person. Instead, someone on their team gets to wear the marketing hat in addition to their other responsibilities. Without a background in marketing, they struggle to know what to do that will get the best ROI for their efforts. That's why Benchmark Growth started the Marketing Mastermind for accounting firms. Your in-house marketing person gets guidance, tools, peer support, and accountability on how to execute an effective marketing strategy. Their newest cohort launches in June. Go to marketingforaccountingfirms.com slash mastermind to learn more. Marketing for accounting firms.com slash master want to get the word out about your newsletter webinar party facebook group podcast ebook job posting or that fancy excel macro you just created why not let the listeners of the cloud accounting podcast know by running a classified ad hit the show notes for the link to get more info